ready, baby? This thing on? Think so. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can. Sweet. Loud and clear as a bell. Hello, everybody. Hey there. Around the world, and Alabama, and North Dakota. <laughs> And Utah. Oh, hello, Utah. And uh, where else? All over the place. Yeah. Thank you for coming back and spending some more time with us on Counting Worms, the podcast. Not the book. No, no, the book. We're working on it. The book is very, very long. Yeah, we've got our agents working on a couple of things, but... yeah. But right now we're going to deal with the podcast. Yeah. So thank you very much for joining us. My name is Scott. I'm Sarah. And we are broadcasting live out of our studio slash dining room. Yes. Yes. A very extensive studio. Very fancy. Very. A lot of lights and buttons and stuff. Oh, very much so. Yeah. It's very cool. With our audio tech, Jim Bean. Hello, Jimmy. Oh, my God. Oh, he's so disgusting. Oh, we really need to put out another ad in Craigslist. I, that Get might, another engineer. You no, know, that might be with a problem. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't have found him there. Yeah. Yeah. All right, he's listening now, so let's be cool. Okay. All right, so today's episode... Really he's listening? I don't think that's what he's doing. Oh, he's got there. his headphones in. He's got his earbuds, oh. so he's probably listening to music. Yeah, yeah, thumbs yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, he saw us looking at it. All right. So today's is a, a free-for-all. Mm-hmm, it is. And I've got a really interesting story, and your story's probably going to be okay. It'll, it might be worth staying till the end. <laughs> it might not. We'll find out. <laughs> All right. Um, but in the meantime, is there anything else that we need to deal with? I believe so. Worm news, worm news, party time, excellent. woo 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 Hello, Alabama. Yeah, so that's a great inside joke for you guys that aren't skippers. Um, that's right. <laughs> Should I tell them the story about the couch the other day? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about, so yeah. I guess go ahead. Well, uh, maybe I should have said no since I don't know. For whatever reason, I was walking around naked the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you go. I always, if you don't know what someone's going to say, that's like the number one rule of law. And so my normal place on the couch, it kind of straddles two cushions. <laughs> and when I sat down on it, I said, hello, Alabama. <laughs> and you'll just have to figure out why I said that. All right, honey. So tell me about Worm News. What's going right. on with Worm News? All right. So, and if, you know, if you're not skippers, then you know why. Yeah. So, in April of 2019, which is not that long ago. No. I mean, a little, little less than a year ago. Mm-hmm. A 28-year-old woman in Taiwan, known as Mrs. He, mm-hmm. went to her doctor complaining of a swollen eye saying that, you know, it's bothering her. Sure. Yeah. I mean, swollen eye, it would bother you. Absolutely. She'd been pulling out weeds around her relative's grave for an annual Chinese Keen Mean Tomb Sweeping Festival. Yeah, Keen Mean Tomb. Yeah. Sweeping. 
festival. Festival. <laughs> so everybody gets together and they sweep and they clean up the town? Uh, the, the, the actual graves. It's a, tr- oh. it's a tradition uh, where they clean up a loved one's grave. And I, I, I suppose it's kind of similar to Memorial Day in the United States. Oh. Uh, they go out and they, leave, oh, yeah. they yeah, clean yeah. up the graves and leave flowers, oh, that kind of thing. That's very sweet. Um, and as she worked, uh, worked away uh, cleaning up the graves of her relatives, a strong breeze uh, blew into her face and eyes, and she felt something. But, of course, she assumed it was a little piece of dirt that had blown into her eyes. And uh, she thought, eh, I'll be fine. And she continued working. However, mm-hmm. hours later, her eye was still kind of bothering her. Mm. Um, only now it began to swell, and it was really starting to swell badly. The eyeball? Uh, around her Around eye. the eye, okay. Yeah, eyeballs don't actually swell. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. That would be bad. That'd be weird. And... You know, within a few hours, it had nearly swollen shut. Uh, And since she had a contact lens in, she felt like she probably shouldn't start rubbing on it because she was afraid she was going to break her contact. So she thought instead of rubbing on it, uh, which is what you would have (laughs) done, she decided (laughs) to seek. How dare you? How dare you? She decided to seek medical treatment. Sure. And that was a very wise decision for Mrs. He. Oh, boy. What was really going on? Well, when Mrs. He arrived at Fu Yin University Hospital in Donggang Township in southern Taiwan. Yeah, FYU. <laughs> FYU. Yes, exactly. Um, F-U. Yeah, F-U. <laughs> yeah, F-U. <laughs> That's right. FU in Taiwan, uh-huh. looking for treatment for a simple eye infection. However, Dr. Hong, an ophthalmology professor at the hospital, said, quote, she couldn't completely close her eyes. I looked into the gap with a microscope and saw something black that looked like an insect leg. Oh, no, no. I grabbed the leg and very slowly took one out. Then I saw another one, and another, and another. They were still intact and all alive, end quote. All alive? The legs were alive? Well, Dr. Hong proceeded to remove four living sweat bees. Sweat bees? From Mrs. He's eye. What's a sweat bee? Is it really a bee? It's a bee. But that that sweats? <laughs> no. What? They were four millimeters in size and alive and well, living under her eyelid. They that, were bees. Like her eyeball area was a hive for these bees, kind of? Um, well... I mean, these were flying insects? Flying insects. So they looked like, like insect bees. legs, but when he got a little when he closer... When a little leg and pulled it out, it was connected to a bee. Oh, my God. <laughs> What's wrong with Mrs. He? Where's she been? What is she doing? She was clearing graves, and bees flew and decided to live in her eye. Oh, Mrs. He. He said he was shocked... And it was a good thing she'd not rubbed her eye, because had she done so, they would have released their venom and likely blinded her. Oh, my. 
They wouldn't have liked being, you know, crushed inside of her eye. That would have made them angry. Huh. Bees don't like that. Yeah, yeah. no. So Dr. Hong added that the bees could have blown inside her eye by that gust of wind and found themselves stuck there. It's kind of logical. Quote, these bees don't usually attack people, but they like drinking sweat, hence their name. End quote. Sweat bees are attracted to sweat and sometimes land on people to get a little lick of perspiration. They also drink tears for their high protein content, according to a study by the Kansas Entomology Society. Typically, nobody gets hurt in this transaction. Um, in fact, given their minuscule size, remember they were only yeah. four millimeters. That's four mil. Four mil, <laughs> yeah. You usually never even know they were there. Mrs. He just seems to have the absolute worst luck ever. But that said, she is perfectly fine and going to make a full and complete recovery. Oh. Except that she'll be totally creeped out every time she feels anything anywhere near her eyes. Well, it just goes to show you, you never know. Yeah. You know what I mean? So make sure you rub your eyes a lot. I do. Yeah. Oops. Oh, yeah. I gave myself away. Yeah. I do rub my eyes yeah. from time to time. Yeah. When I think there's sweat yeah. bees in them. Yeah. Very uh, nice story, baby. That was very wormy. Isn't that a wormy story? Very wormy. Yeah, so... If it, next they were time sweat feel, worms, it would have been yeah, even more yeah, wormy. So, so next time you feel like uh, there might be something in your eye, make sure you rub on it really hard because there might be bees in, in your eye. Yeah. And plus, it's really good just to rub your face and stuff because, you know, coronavirus... How dare you? I know what How you're getting at. You? I know what you're really saying there. <laughs> we watch a lot of crime TV. We do. And we were watching one the other night, and I heard something like a teaser, you know, where they give you like a little taste of what's coming up, then they mm -hmm. go to commercial just to make sure you come back. And I said, I got to record that. And I did. Yeah. And so I'm going to play it for you now. Okay. Okay, ready? I'm ready. Here's what it said. He's naked. He's got a gun. I knew this was serious. <laughs> I remember that. You remember that, eh? I do. We do Naked, he's got a gun, and we love I knew that it was show. serious. Yeah. All right, so there you go. So shall I start with my first story? And that's My only and, story. And that's what I said whenever you came out naked. <laughs> He's and naked, you were you were gonna gun. yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a gun though. Uh, well, you were gonna sit on the couch, <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's why I don't let guests come to the house, is because well, naked ones at least. Well, we'd sit down a towel first. Yeah, I'm like, you may not want to <laughs> sit on that couch. Yeah, I'm just saying. Uh, hello, you, Alabama. Yeah, you may not want to sit on that couch. So my story—it's not my first story; it's my only story, frankly. Yeah. Um. I'm going to entitle it like my friend Steve does. Uh -huh. I call this one. I like one, to call this one. <laughs> I call this one Kids Today. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, really, it's about it. I'll title mine then too. Like yeah, Steve it's does. fun. Yeah. Um, mine is about a topic that I am, this is news to me. I, maybe I've heard about it, but I never really thought much about it. But really, it's pretty crazy. And it's the subject of something called swatting. Oh, like flies. Like flies and like your rear like if you in misbehave. Your, bees in your eye. Right. 
So this one, I'll give you the definition of swatting. It's a criminal harassment tactic of deceiving an emergency service dispatcher into sending police, SWAT, or other emergency teams to the victim's address. Uh-uh. So basically... How dare you? What? <laughs> how dare you? How dare I? Yeah, how... I, I never well, did no, it. whoever did Oh, this. yeah, yeah, yeah. How dare them? How dare you? It's kids. Yeah, kids I mean, today. That you was you might title, not right? be yeah you might Kids not be today. surprised that the main perpetrators of this particular crime are in the range. Oh, I'm shocked. Males in the range. Males in the range. Yes, yeah. they're and a on, very dangerous group. Oftentimes <laughs> at the uh, front end of the range. Yes. You know, 16, 17, yeah. 18. This this age 14, range. 14, 15, um, 16. So what they do is they call in to nine one one typically, and they make a they do a bomb threat or claim that a murder has occurred, or there's a hostage situation, or there's a possible suicide, something like that. Uh, and then, of course, they respond, and they send the emergency crews to wherever they tell them to send them to. So it has its ori- origins in prank calls to emergency services. But over the years, it's gotten more and more sophisticated. They have ways they call some of these names i've never heard caller id spoofing spoofing right spoofing i i, I assume, and, and phone freaking have you heard of that oh is that where ph is that yo, where, yo yo is that where like two phones start they start dirty freaking. dancing and, <laughs> and then they're freaking they yeah. get their freak on yeah uh no oh. what it is the general goal of those two things is to disguise the real location of where the caller is calling from so it appears to the dispatcher. And teenagers can do this? Yes. What chance do the rest of us ever have? I know. Seriously, this world is over. It's <laughs> over. We had a good run. Yeah. But it's I over. mean, but it, it's over. Yeah. Well, when yeah. teenagers can do this to the police, then what chance do the rest <laughs> of us have? Seriously. So they can make the dispatcher look at the call, and it, it seems to them that they are a local caller, even though they are potentially hundreds of miles away, even in another country they could be. Oh, that's like when you get uh, those jackass spam calls and it looks like Mm -hmm. it's coming from someone like your number. Right. Whatever the first, your area code and then your first three three digits. digits. Yeah, I get those all the time. All the time. Yeah. Uh, And I get a lot of emails from myself too. That's another new one. Yeah. Well, not new, but it's another pain in the ass from telemarketers. Anyway. Uh, let's see here. Um, there's also another, uh, sideline crime that's called doxing. You heard of this? No. Doxing. As a matter of fact, I'm getting a call right now from one of those people. Uh, it's, it's where you obtain and broadcast via the internet, the address and details of an individual with an intent to harass or endanger them. So you give out their information to the masses uh, oh, that's like when they do a fake ad saying, I want somebody to come to my house. Right, right. Yeah. I didn't know it was called doxing. I don't even know. That's what the article said. So back in 2015, a young man with a quiet, almost childlike voice Aww. named Alex called the Glendale Police Department to announce that he had placed several backpacks full of explosives inside a news studio. In Los Angeles, hmm. KABC television. He goes on to say that they will be remotely detonated, detonated 
in 10 minutes. Hmm. So the it's not stu- very much time. No, not too much. So the studios evacuated. Canine units sweep the building. No explosives found. That that situation's over. Nine days later, an identical call goes in. Same studio. They send in the bomb squad. All this stuff. And now the detectives are really curious and want to meet up with Alex. They want to have yeah, a chat with young like Alex. They like to know who Alex is. And his calls had come from a Tennessee area code that traced back to, yes, a spoofed IP address. Then a tip came in that led them to a 22-year-old named Tyler Barris. Tyler Barris. Got Mm, it? Okay. Uh, Tyler had a rough upbringing. Father died in a car crash. His mom had a long history of drug use and prostitution. And he had grown up being raised by his grandmother in the town of Chatsworth, which is out in the San Fernando Valley, where I hail from, north of Los Angeles. And uh, Tyler was, <laughs> as are most of the kids in the range that are part of this world, he was unemployed and spent most of his time playing online Halo matches on his ah. Xbox. Now, I thank the good Lord that somehow video games passed me by i did i did not get involved i mean i've played a few yeah. but i mean i never sat didn't there get and to be obsessed by i them. didn't get headsets and you know play people across the country i mean it looks like it could be fun yeah but every time we hear stories about people involved in that it's really an obsession and it yes. screws up their lives their marriages everything falls apart everything goes to the ba- wayside other than the video game yeah which so, is why you're glad you're not obsessed That's right. And that's why you're glad I'm not obsessed. Yes, that Mm -hmm. is true. So he said something to his his grandmother a few weeks earlier that struck her as odd. Hmm. Uh, While watching KABC's local newscast Mm -hmm. together, he said, do you think I could clear out that building if I wanted to? Oh. Hmm. When grandma confronted Tyler, he readily confessed to the crime. Uh, he told her that she better not snitch. This is not a good kid, really. Oh, this, this is starting bad. Yeah. If she snitches, he would beat her face into a bloody mess and Uh-oh. blow up their house. <laughs> that's, that's, you don't talk to grandmas like that. No, but grandma knew that her volatile grandson should be taken at his word. <laughs> grandma <laughs> decided the right, right thing to do is to call the police. Which, oh, brave grandma. Yeah, and then she hit out somewhere yeah. uh when the police arrived at his home they found a very tall so i guess we know where the tip came from yeah <laughs> uh, a very tall very thin man with patchy facial hair and melancholy eyes that's how he was described Aww. when they searched his bedroom they found an iphone with over forty thousand messages in it and upon examination of these messages, they found evidence that he was behind a nationwide wave of bomb threats. Mm. He had forced the evacuations of numerous high schools and colleges where his Halo friends were enrolled. And his goal, according to him later, was to give his pals the day off from school. Oh, what a, what a, what so a good friend. So he's not all bad. Not all he's bad. He's not all bad. Um... The messages also revealed that his shenanigans had expanded into the area of swatting, which Uh, we've discussed, sending heavily armed SWAT teams to his target's house to be both surprised and terrified. Oh, yes. Yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, internet enthusiasts have been swatting strangers and acquaintances for more than a decade, apparently. Oh. <laughs> using voice over IPs and virtual private networks. So oh. this has been going on uh, regularly. Now, I'm not mm. a gamer, but in doing this story, I've learned a bit about the, uh, the gaming and online community. Um, here's what they say about swatting. They acknowledge that swatting is obnoxious, but they also view it as a necessary form of frontier justice, a way to stop vulgar, quote-unquote, keyboard warriors from slandering or threatening their online associates. There's a lot, of, dis- a lot of dissing going on. That's short for disrespecting. Oh. Dissing. They're dissing me. Oh, and they can't just say, how dare you? No, they got to send a damn SWAT team to their house, (laughs) I guess. I guess that's the answer they have. Mm, So one former Call of Duty fanatic, which I guess is one of the big games, uh, who has taken place in swatting said, quote, when you're on the internet and your actions have little weight in real life, and then suddenly, uh, okay, I know, okay. Yeah, I know. We're getting to the we're getting to the meat of this. Okay, here. Uh, when your actions have little weight in real life, and then suddenly that translates into something as physically heavy as a swatting, it makes you realize the weight of your actions on a computer are a lot more than they normally would be. And uh, see, mm-hmm. uh, so I mean, and it, you don't have to be. And a, did a, that guy not? Read his own statement. Oh, he did. Oh, okay. I'm guessing right. he probably he mm-hmm. uh, put it on the, on his Facebook page. Did you call me fat? Oh, you just wait. Yeah, yeah, I know how to work this internet thing. Yeah. So he says that his adversaries all seem to slow their roll. That means kind of slow down. Oh, okay. Um, after being descended upon by a horde of cops <laughs> <laughs> armed with automatic weapons. Oh, wow. He says, quote, it did reestablish boundaries on the internet for them and remind them that just because they're behind a keyboard talking shit, it doesn't mean they're untouchable. There's a lot of um, bravado and machismo that goes on. And for all of you kids out there that are into gaming, uh, please rate, review, and subscribe. We We don't mean to besmirch you. Yeah, no, but please you don't are, send anyone to our house. Some of you guys are real idiots. <laughs> yes. Not the not the ones that would send anyone to our house, though. You guys are the best. No, we love you guys. Yeah. yeah regular yeah. listeners that are into swatting. Capable of this. Don't do the swatting thing. Yeah, no. Not to us, at least. Just to flies. All right, right. And so Tyler Barris himself was swatted by a, fe- a fellow Halo player. And in an interview, he said... I remember hearing the helicopters hovering over our house for about five minutes before I realized it had to be a police chopper. How cool would it be, I thought, if I could do that to anyone I wanted? It was just appealing to me to be able to completely and anonymously own someone like that and not get caught. Oh, my God. End quote. (laughs) After having this revelation, Tyler began honing his swatting skills He wrote and revised call scripts. He figured out how to obtain temporary phone numbers with area codes that wouldn't make the 911 operators uh, suspicious. And he tried to scrub the internet of all of his personal information so the people that he messed with couldn't get back at him, you see. Yeah. So he became addicted to the thrill of it, of swatting. 
Quote, knowing that you're... I should do a good Tyler Barris voice. Knowing that you're breaking the law. (laughs) (laughs) And knowing that they won't be able to find you. And knowing you just sent the SWAT team or the bomb squad somewhere. And knowing you could do that over and over again gave me a charge. And scene. Oh, my God. These people. Kids today. You see what I'm saying? Do you see what I'm saying? His arrest for the news station bomb threats interrupted his tomfoolery when he pleaded no contest to two felony counts of making a false bomb report and was sentenced to two years and eight months. So Hmm. fast forward now to his release in January of 2017. All right. So not that long ago. The day after his release, he was arrested for illegally entering his grandmother's house because grandma, she didn't want. She had protected out a protective order. She had taken out a protective order against him. Oh, good for her. He was sentenced to another year in jail. Is actually three hundred sixty-four days, but we'll just round it off to a year. Yeah, we'll give him a year. Upon his release, his next release, he moved into a homeless shelter while waiting for some Section Eight housing or something. The shelter happened to be about a 15-minute walk from a public library. Oh, no. And that public library happened to have computers for the Uh, use by the public. No. So he used these computers to quietly resume his campaign of terror. Oh, no. Back with the bomb threats we go. And at one point... uh, at one point in his life, actually, Tyler had aspired to become a competitive Halo player. I guess you can earn a living doing yeah. this. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, They're but, bringing it into colleges and everything. It's now competitive esports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that they they built this big esports center in Arlington, in Arlington, yeah, yeah Arlington, a Texas. big thing for big competitions deal. with giant screens and all this stuff. Um, so, I mean, it, it could be cool. But anyway, that didn't pan out for him. So now he sought to make a, a name for himself. By tormenting gamers who had attained a, a certain level of celebrity. Oh, good. And so, so he became the troll. Right. So he twice caused the eva- evacuation of a major Call of Duty tournament at the Dallas Convention Center. <gasps> wow. Isn't that great? That, Way to go, how Tyler. Dare you? Oh, yeah. Sorry. How dare you? Six days later, he tweeted gonna, gonna evacuate the net neutrality meeting, guys. Don't be upset. That afternoon, the members of the FCC were compelled to flee their Washington, D.C. meeting room in response to a bomb threat. Nice. So while operating out of this public library... He seems charming. Yeah, he is, yeah. He did several more uh, high, high school, or high profile, I'm sorry, swattings and became... Oh, you could call it high school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and became so renowned for his skills... That he was able to parlay it into a business of sorts. Oh, my God. He would charge per swatting or bomb threat and made as much as what the article said, $700 in a week. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we're talking big money Well, then someone can find him. Well, yeah. So it's not bad. He was only charging between $10 and $50 per activity. So can you imagine that? He's making $700 a week. That means at least 14 per week he was doing. Yeah. Him. Just as yeah. one kid. And someone could find him. Well, he hadn't scrubbed his information that well. Well, I mean, you have to assume he had some way of collecting money. That's what I'm but saying. But he's figured out all these things of fake accounts and this and that and the other. Who knows? So I'm not going to bore you with the... Uh, details of a situation. The economics of it? No, 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 no. We're <laughs> moving on to a new part. 
there are some details here, uh, but let's just say that there was a spat between two gamers, two online gamers, and it involved a bet of a dollar and fifty cents. Okay, big money. Big money. So Tyler had been hired to do a swatting against the one guy, mm-hmm. and then that guy hired Tyler to do a revenge swatting against the other guy. Good. So Tyler netted twenty bucks and had two swattings, I guess. But in the back and forth for a dollar fifty. Yeah. So the tweeting back and forth between the Tyler and the new upcoming victim, there was some taunting and some profanity and uh, was accompanied by the victim revealing his home address and issuing a dare, saying, Please try some shit. I'll be waiting. And some threats about doing prison time and this and that and the other. But you see, Tyler He was not one to be trifled with. This only got him more riled up. Now, we're going to take a break in the story, and we're going to go back in time. Oh, God, I wish I had that. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, In a not-so-nice neighborhood in Wichita, Kansas, nine years ago, Mm -hmm. okay, young Andrew Finch, 11 years old, Mm -hmm. he was staying over at his grandma's house when he picked up the ringing phone. It was his aunt, drunk, calling from a local bar, asking to be picked up. Even though he was only 11 and barely able to see over the steering wheel, he snatched up his sleeping grandma's car keys and headed out. The whole family knew that was just Andy being Andy. He was just that kind of kid, always willing to do something to help out loved ones. And he did go pick her up (laughs) and brought her home. Um, so his family had a lot of problems. Sister died in a car crash. Mom had all kind of physical disability problems, diabetes, mental health issues. And he was really raising two smaller children. So Andy, now 20, let's go fast forward here. Known as, he was known as Snow. Now, Hmm. why do you think he was known as Snow? From the cocaine? You know, you'd think, but that wasn't it. (laughs) It's because of his lumpy physique, and he resembled a snowman. Oh, (laughs) that's terrible. He had kind of lost his way a bit, and he was living with mom and the kids. Did he ever have a way? Yeah, I don't know. So he was taking care of housework and serving as a father figure for the two little ones. His main hobby was making elaborate pencil sketches of weeping angels and menacing cartoon characters. Um, His mother had enrolled. So sad. I know. His mother encouraged him to get involved in art school, but he hadn't taken that advice, and he took a series of go nowhere jobs. So I'm going to leave some parts out of the story that some people might find important, but. Well, like he eventually turned to selling meth and <laughs> got in a high-speed chase with police and ended up in prison for a while. Yeah, I think those uh, are less pertinent to the story and maybe make him less sympathetic as a character in my story. Oh, okay. So I'm going to leave those out. Yeah, all right. We'll just leave those <clears throat> yeah, out. forget about all that. Yeah. So early 2017, Andy's girlfriend had just given birth to his second child. Yeah. And he's flipping burgers at a Sonic. No, we love Sonic. The Devil's Playground. remember that story no that was a girl out in uh, the local town here that uh talked her talked her boyfriend into killing the parents and the and the brothers and set the house on fire that's right and you made that joke yeah sonic was the devil's playground she finally got out she was homeschooled and she got a job at sonic the devil's playground that's right all right so anyway he's i digress he's flipping burgers at sonic and the devil's playground 
Yes, and regularly <laughs> attending services at a small church run by an ex-gang member who's also a Christian rapper. So, but you know, he was yeah. making baby steps, you know? And Andy and the family move into an old Victorian fixer-upper in kind of a seedy part of downtown uh, Wichita. It's what they could afford. And or Actually, this was Kansas City. Um, but it's close to the high school, and Andy thought he could fix it up and make it nice for the family. So three days after Christmas... And the entire family room is at home relaxing, some in the living room, some in their bedrooms. And Andy thought he heard a noise outside. Uh Uh-oh. Well, about 15 minutes earlier, a call had come into 911 from a local phone number. The soft-spoken male caller had given his address and said, I just shot my dad in the head because he was arguing with my mom. And it was getting out of control. My mom and my brother are really scared right now, so I'm just pointing a gun at them and holding them in the closet right now. Hmm. He went on to say that he didn't mean to kill his dad and that he was now thinking about lighting the house on fire and committing suicide. He identified himself as Ryan. Hmm. I don't know why that's (laughs) something. Uh, The line went dead. Several Wichita patrolmen who were in the area at the time of the call arrived at the home and glanced up at a second-story window, and they saw some figure kind of uh, bobbing up and down, and they thought perhaps it was somebody giving CPR to somebody. That's, that's what it appeared like to them. So several op- officers started to creep toward the front porch while others took positions across the street to provide cover fire in case it became necessary. Their plan was to try and contact the hostage taker inside using their PA system. But before they made their first, they had time to make their first announcement, the front door to the house cracked open and a large man in a t-shirt and shorts and flip-flops emerged and walked out onto the front porch. So bright lights pointed at the man, blinding him, and several voices are yelling at him from various angles to put your hands up, put your hands up, put your hands up. And he did it as he was told, but he then lowered one of his arms toward his waist. He might have been instinctually recoiling from the barrage of lights and loud noises and stuff, or he was just bewildered. But an officer from across the street watching this whole thing unfold through his uh, rifle scope made a decision. The man on the porch was that he was reaching for a weapon. That's what he concluded. And so he fired a two twenty three round that went through the man's chest, punctured his heart, and sent him backwards into the house. The family members ran toward Andy Finch, who was now laying on the floor, bleeding profusely. Police stormed the house and hustled everyone out into the cold, handcuffed them all, and searched in vain for Ryan. About this time, and unaware that the swatting had actually taken place, Tyler Barris called the Wichita police one more time, this time to give a more detailed version of his story. Two parts of the revised story kind of stood out to police. One was that he had poured gasoline all through the house, and that the house was a one-story house. Uh-oh. This info was relayed to the officers on the scene who immediately realized, oops, they had been fooled. So the gamer who dared Barris to swat him uh, had sent him an old address, a house he used to live at. And he says, he sent a triumphant uh, tweet to Barris. This shit has me dying. They showed up at my old house, retard. 
And Tyler replied, You gave an address that you don't even live at, but you were acting tough, LOL. So you're a bitch. This is the back and forth with these kids. This is, oh this is the God. level of nonsense and uh, range-worthy oh behavior. God. Now this kid, this other kid is dead. And they're saying, you're a bitch because you gave me a fake address. Yeah, well, you're a bitch. You know, I mean, this is kids today. This oh. happened. <sighs> While news and coverage of the shooting was getting more widespread, the online community turned on Barris. They turned on him. Yeah. He responded in all caps. This is his um, get-out-of-jail-free card. That's what he thinks. I didn't kill anyone. Wait, I'm sorry. I didn't get anyone killed because I didn't discharge a weapon, and being a SWAT member isn't my profession. Hmm. Well, you might imagine that didn't go over well with the law enforcement community. So he ended up being extradited to Wichita, and... And Andrew Finch, the guy who got killed, his mother took up the cause to blast the Wichita police and force the prosecution of the officer that pulled the trigger on him. Now, she was unsuccessful in that effort, but not due to a lack of trying. She really made a stink. So Tyler ends up pleading guilty to a total of 51 charges and admitted to swatting and was sentenced to 20 to 25 years in a federal prison. The two other gamers who were doing the back and forth mm-hmm. over the $1.50 bet, uh, they were sentenced to 15 months in prison and two years of probation with no video games <laughs> for conspiracy and obstruction of justice. Wow. And I recorded a little news story that kind of summed it all up about Tyler. So I'm going to play that okay. real quick. Okay. To a swatting case making national headlines, a defendant in California sentenced to 20 years in prison for making phony 911 calls across the country. One of those calls leading to the deadly police shooting of an innocent man about 1,400 miles away. Here's ABC's Will Carr. Tonight, the man behind this prank 911 call. I have shot him in the head and he's not breathing anymore. Sentenced today to 20 years behind bars after pleading guilty for a swatting prank that turned deadly. I already poured gasoline all over the house. I might just set it on fire. Tyler Barris has admitted to swatting, calling authorities and triggering SWAT teams across the country to surround the homes of unwitting victims. Walk this way! In 2017, Barris thought he was swatting the home of a video game rival after a fight over a bet for $1.50. But police swarmed Andrew Finch's home, an innocent man with no connection to the game. He was shot and killed by police who thought he was reaching for a gun. There are no words to express. The top is taken. Finch's family now wants the police department held accountable while prosecutors in Kansas hope Barris's stiff sentence sends the message that swatting is no game. It's not a joke to swat other people. Swatting is a growing problem across the country. It can be a federal crime with a max penalty of life behind bars. Cecilia. Okay, Will, thank you. And that's the story of Tyler Barris. Wow. Yeah, so... People, don't do this swatting thing. What is the matter with you? <laughs> My God almighty. Seriously. Seriously. I mean, so anyway, that's a little... And he wasn't even involved in it. What? It wasn't even his argument. No. Yeah. He was, uh, was middlemanning between two other punk he kids. Was, he, he, yeah, he was a swat for hire. I shoot better on my shooting game than you shoot. 
Uh, no, you don't. Yes, I do. All right, I'm going to send the SWAT team out to your ass. <laughs> You'll see. That's the oh, thing our world is is crumbling in front of our eyes. Think of of the amazing work that could be done. As smart as they are to do use technology the way they were using mm-hmm. it, they could really actually apply those skills. For good, for not good. evil. Yeah. Oh, I right. mean, that sounds cheesy, but the skill sets needed to, oh, yeah. to do that. This is advanced stuff. This, yeah. I mean, I don't know how to do any of that. And they could actually be doing something for society. So no. since we're big in the online gaming world, yeah. our listenership is pretty strong. I'm sure. Guys, don't do this. Don't yeah, do Now this. that you've said that, I'm sure they'll stop. Yeah. Okay, good. All right, All right. Enough said. What's yeah. your story, honey? So I will, I'll, I'll name mine too. That story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll name mine since Detective Steve names his. Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. I'll name mine A Question of Murder, A Lesson in Bones. Ooh. Oh, how about that? A Question of Murder, A Lesson, lesson in, in Bones. bones. Hey. Does that make it? You want to listen? Yes, I do. All right. So my story is on bones. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll want to pay attention because my next murder method may lean on some things you learn today if you pay attention. Oh. So some folks may call that foreshadowing and others may call it a clue. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. So a farmer in Ohio was out plowing his field when he came across skeletal remains. Mm. Near the bones, investigators also found a 12-gauge shotgun with an empty casing in the chamber, some tattered clothing, belt, shoes, a wallet, a rusty ring of bent keys, a St. Christopher's medallion, and a plastic nasal spray bottle. Our job will be to determine if this is a murder or a suicide, but I'm going to help you along the way on this one. Okay. So let's see how good we are at being forensic anthropologists. I'm pretty good. Yeah. Okay. So welcome to your first lesson on bones. Okay. Mm. All right. This will be fun. Unpacking our remains, we find that our victim's skull is in pieces. Uh Uh-oh. So for those of you new to forensic anthropology, our first step is going to be reconstructing it. Mm -hmm. Think of the human skeleton as a big three-dimensional jigsaw puzzle. We can't really see what the picture is, in this case, what really happened to it, until we put it back together. In a textbook, we have 206 bones. I say in a textbook because there can always be an outlier. Plus, after being exposed to beatings or shotguns and animal predation, we may be in many more pieces or, on the flip side, be missing bones and have far fewer of the original jigsaw pieces left in the box. But 206 is a good starting point. That's but 206 a, is the norm. An average. If, if, we're all, if we're all in one, if we're all in the pieces we're supposed to be in, 206 is the number. All right. Still, to figure out what happened, 
Step one is always the same. Put the pieces back together. How else do we determine the nature of the trauma, right? Sure. So, okay, fellow science nerds, here is what we are seeing. Some of the skull fragments are white and some are brown. Do we have any kids sitting on the front row that want to raise their hands and tell us why? Yes. Me. How about it? Um, well, because the skull is in multiple pieces, I'm going to guess that he was shot with a shotgun in the, in the head <laughs> and it broke the skull apart and the ones that are brown were the ones that were actually in contact with the projectiles. And it was a close contact uh, uh, shot. No. No. (laughs) It sounded good, though. Man, you were going way down the road. (laughs) You were way out there, my love. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, well, I thought it was pretty good. But I love your confidence. Thank you. And I want you to roll with that. I want want you to keep that. I'm, I'm here. Let's do it. Bones are just like your rug, photos, or wallpaper. When they are exposed to direct sunlight, they get bleached out. Okay. Kind of like a kid's hair in the summer. Yeah. Bones are also like old shoes or anything else you dig up in the yard. They turn brown from being buried below the surface of the soil. So some pieces were in the soil and some were exposed to the sun. Now this takes some forethought. But reason with me here. Even in harsh direct sun, that wallpaper does not bleach out over a few days, does it? No, it takes a while. So even in in the harshest of sun, neither does your hair, If even if you play in the sun every day for a week. And for you girls out there, remember braiding your hair and putting lemon juice in it, hoping to get highlights? Mm-hmm. Or did you, you oh, guys did oh, too? Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it never California. worked. Yeah, California, that's right. It never worked. Right. And it never worked because you weren't in the sun long enough. Oh, uh, that's the, what it was. Yeah. The bones have, so that what that tells us is if the bones have been there long enough to be bleached white, this skull has been out there for a while. Right. Not three or four months. For, of summer break, but even longer. Okay. So these bones have been, we're, we're talking about years. All right. Okay? That's why some are brown and some are white. Okay. Okay? They've been out for a long time, but some were underground. Some and were some were on at, the top of the ground. Right. In the sun. Okay, I'm with you. So the skull is thick and heavy with a distinct brow ridge. Yes. And the forehead seems to slant backwards. So it looks like we can feel somewhat confident we have a male here. Mongoloid. (laughs) No. No. It's not what it... No? No. Okay. We have a male. (laughs) Okay. That's what that tells us. Oh, okay. (laughs) And maybe he's a roid rager. No. (laughs) With the big brow. No. Did he have a unibrow or we don't know? We don't know any of that. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. (laughs) A thick, heavy skull with a distinct brow ridge and a forehead that slants backwards is the indication of a male. Oh, we all have that? Yes, all of you. (laughs) Oh, no. You seem to be proving it the more you speak right now. (laughs) How dare you. (laughs) If the skull looks Neanderthal, it's male. (laughs) 
my gosh. But we will confirm it with the rest of the skeleton and other pieces of evidence. But clearly thick and heavy. We're looking for one particular bone. <laughs> right? Yeah. A lack of a brain <laughs> is also a good indication. The brain bones connected to the <laughs> medulla obligata bone. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. I know. Seriously. Man. Wow. This is why we needed a lesson in bones, folks, because Uh there's a lack of information out there. (laughs) So anyway, as we look at the underwear found, they are men's and fully disintegrated, except for the elastic waistband that reads the jockey logo. Oh, yeah. So at this point, the timeline's looking at like uh, three to five years. Okay. Okay. The way the skull was broken, it clearly indicates a gunshot wound to the face. Ha ha! <laughs> I was right about that part. To test the suicide theory, we use a microscope and we start investigating all those frontal sinuses. You know, the places on your face that hurt and ache when you're all stuffy with a cold, allergies, or a sinus infection? Sure. They are air pockets when you're healthy. And they're junk-filled and painful when you're sick. And our skelly, which my favorite little human, my niece, calls skeletons, skellies. Oh, that's so cute. I know. And our skelly, we find a microscopic piece of nitrate cellulose. Ooh. And I'm going to give you five gold stars and ten bonus points if you can tell me the common name of nitrate cellulose. It's not. Any guesses? (laughs) It's not? Yeah. Nitrate cellulose. That is gunpowder. Oh. No, I did not know that. Nitrate cellulose is gunpowder. Okay. Scientifically speaking, the logical explanation for gunpowder blown up so high up, up your sinus cavity is somewhat obvious. But for you newbies to the human skull, I'm going to explain. It is due to a shotgun barrel being placed in your mouth or under your chin so that when it's discharged, it goes up towards the frontal bone rather than back towards your occipital bone. Mm. So in plain English, the gunpowder got blown up his nose towards his forehead, the frontal bone, because the the shotgun seems most likely to be held under his chin or in his mouth, facing an upward trajectory by his own hands. Hmm. Had, the, had it been an assailant that held the gun, pointing it at him, it would not have blown up his nose, but it would have blown towards the back of his head, towards his occipital bone, which is if you touch the very back of your head, mm-hmm. where it bumps out right before it meets the back of mm-hmm. your neck, yep. that bump out, that's the occipital lo- bone. And that is and that is why when you get hit in the back of the head, you see stars. Mm. Because that's what controls your vision. That's where your vision is. Mm. Well, I mean, that's at least what we're thinking is most likely. Okay. Of course, if the assailant stood behind him and held the gun under his chin from behind, I mean... Theoretically, it could still be murder. They just would have had to have been a huge assailant, larger than the victim by at least 
30%, maybe more. That's a rough estimate. But they would have had to have been substantially larger than the victim. Okay. But I've just told you how it could happen. But, eesh, you know, bones are hard. But we're making progress, and we have finished with our skull. Okay? Okay. So now we move down to the spine, arms, and then to the hips and legs. And Houston, we have a problem. Uh Uh-oh, what is it? So even though I threw a wrench into our pretty neat little suicide case, Mm -hmm. the preponderance of evidence is in favor of suicide. But now examining the arms and leg bones, we're seeing a few serious issues. Okay. First... We notice aggressive cuts that are bone deep. And we're thinking, what the heck is this? Okay. Looking closely and after taking a few deep breaths and getting out our measuring tape, we realize they're exactly 18 inches apart. Hmm. Weird. Next, the hip bones, bleached white from the sun, had lead pellets in them. Okay. Bird shot. Okay. Okay. You may not think this is a big deal given the shotgun blast to the face, but there's a big issue here. The shotgun beside the body, the one presumed to have fired the round to the victim's face, fired what's called a pumpkin ball, which is a large slug, big, almost the size of a marble, And most importantly, the degree of damage to the skull indicates that once that round was fired to the skull, that man was not able to fire additional rounds. So how was he shot again? Mm. Okay. Mm. X-rays showed the spine was also riddled with birdshot. So we have a guy shot multiple times with birdshot huge systematic lacerations, and his face blown off. So suddenly, this is pretty complicated. If he was shot so many times with birdshot, where's that gun, and who did it? Right. Right? Well, you know the first rule. Yes. We have to go back to step one. Let's get all the king's horses and all the king's men, and let's put this skelly back together again. Uh Right? Right. So we put him back, the entire skeleton this time, in one piece. Okay. Now, I can tell you this. It's easy to confirm we have a male. The pelvis is really the end all in that game. A man's pelvis is deeper with a pubic arch of less than 90 degrees. You said pubic. I did say pubic. Okay, you all know what a pelvis looks like. You've seen it on Halloween on a skeleton. We all know it. I want you to think about that. You know the bones that you sit on and the big rounded hip bones that are on top. Just picture that pelvis in your mind right now. You know the circle cut out in the middle? Mm-hmm. Between the top hip bones and the butt bones you sit on. Well, that circle is narrow in a male, like someone who's pursing their lips together. Okay? Mm -hmm. And it's open like someone yawning in a female. Open like a big circle. (gasps) 
and in a man, it's squishy. And it's for a simple reason, childbirth. For females, a baby may one day have to squeeze through that same space. So naturally, it just is more open. You got to love nature. It's just so practical, Mm -hmm. you know? Okay. So it's fairly obvious once the human is past puberty, it's really not so much before. Now you know. Children's skeletons, you really can't tell the difference between male and female. I see. Unless their hair is still there. And then you're really just kind of hoping that uh, if it's a ponytail with a ribbon in it, then you you say, well, maybe that's a girl. Mm -hmm. You know, but if if it's post-puberty, then you got a pretty good shot at knowing if you can find a pelvis. Okay. A male pelvis looks all squished up like they won't have a butt. Which, hey, let's be honest, that's why most old men don't. Our Vicks pelvis is like that, except with a bunch of holes in it. Hmm. You know? Okay. So we've all seen this done on TV, so why not? Let's go get our pickup sticks and see where all these pellets came from. Usually you see the cops doing it where they stick them in walls, right? Right. And they stick them all in walls to see where the bullet's trajectory trajectory was coming from. Right. Right? Sure. So we push sticks through the holes, and well, ugh, yikes. Now we have a barely visible little porcupine pelvis covered in brightly colored quills. And these pellets came from over his head to his toes, behind to front, left to right. And where didn't they come from is the question. But it was not for naught. See if you can tell me without any help why this is so important. We learned that some pellets penetrated the head of the femur, but not the acetabulum. Not the acetabulum? In plain English, (laughs) in plain English, the top of the leg bone, that circle top Mm -hmm. of the leg bone at the very top, but not the hip socket. Why is that important, babe? Do you because know? Um, his leg was separated from his, uh, the rest of his body. That's right. It means the bones were already disarticulated when the birdshot was fired. Uh, uh, good job. Good thank job. You. Even give you a gold star. Oh, sweet. Had the victim been alive, the head of that femur would have been inside the ball and, jo- and socket joint. And the only way to hit it with birdshot would have been through the joint. I think I have this solved now. So, <laughs> how do we distinguish whether or not those cuts were made before death, which is anti-mortem, or at the time of death, perimortem, or after death, post-mortem? So, for our purposes, I'm going to help you with the plain English determination method. Okay. okay? Yeah. And we're going to take all everything we've learned, including all this terminology, with us whenever we come to our next murder myth. Oh, okay? yeah. Anti-mortem wounds, which happen before you die. Anti-mortem. Yeah. If you're in a knife fight, for instance, anti-mortem wounds do all kinds of cool things. Mm-hmm. But most importantly... It doesn't matter if it's skin or bone or if it's your liver or kidney. 
wherever an anti-mortem wound occurs, they all are going to show signs of healing. And what that means is stuff like inflammation. They're going to react. You're going to have bleeding and swelling and and your body doesn't just wait around twiddling its proverbial or literal thumbs. <laughs> it doesn't just sit around and it's not a do nothing. It sends in the troops and it gets to work. Even if you are unconscious and even if you're dying, even if you hurt yourself, your body wants to live. So if it's anti-mortem, then you want your body does everything it can to live. And so there are signs of that. Now, perimortem wounds, those occurring at the at or around the time of your death, for instance, even a wound that actually kills you, they may not show signs of healing, but they're similar in every other way to an anti-mortem wound. And with bones, anti-mortem and perimortem wounds, you can tell they look the same way. Those wounds on a bone, they break like a bar of chocolate, crisp and clean. They snap. So think about that. <clears throat> think about breaking apart a Hershey bar. Yep. You know how they're scored? Right. And when you break that bar of chocolate, it's crisp and clean. It snaps. Mm -hmm. The bones are also the same color outside and inside, just like that bar of chocolate. The inside and the outside look the same. They're right. consistent. Right. And that's because everything happened at the same time. So even if you don't find that body until years later, the outside of that bone and the inside of that bone are going to look the same. It, so whether they're stained by dirt or blood or bleached by the sun, there's no change in color. Both sides of the bone, inside and outside, look exactly the same hmm. because the wound was made at the time of death. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Because that cut in that bone was made at the time of death, so there wouldn't be a difference in color. So there's they've been exposed to the elements at the same, same amount rate. of time okay. at the same rate. As opposed to a bone break that happened two years after after death. death, then you'd have a big difference in color. Right. From the outside to the inside. Okay, I'm with you. So in a post mortem break, the bones have Bones haven't been being supplied with nutrients. They haven't been fed. It's just like a, the, it's just like the Texas soil, okay? The bones are dry, right? right. Think of the drought dirt in Texas in July. <sighs> They're no longer getting nutrients. They're no it's not getting it's not getting the rain and the nutrients and the fertilizer. It's drought dirt. It's 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 not good anymore. Mm -hmm. It's drought. So it cracks and it crumbles. If you tried to break it apart, it wouldn't break like a bar of chocolate, clean and crisp. It it wouldn't split cleanly, but it'd be rugged and jagged and it'd crumble. Because it's not, 
it doesn't have that nutrient supply. Right. It's not healthy. Right. It, it crumbles. Plus, the outside part that was one piece and the inside part will be a different color. Right. Because they haven't been exposed to the elements the same length of time. Does that make sense? It does. Perfect. And so you can't. So when you when you see that Texas dirt, it hasn't it hadn't been receiving nutrients. It's dry and crumbled. It's it's that clay soil that doesn't have any nutrients in it anymore. It's been leached. Right. That's what happens to bones because there's no longer a heart and and lungs supplying them with what they need, mm-hmm. and that's what happens to bones. Okay. So you you cut or break a bone that's already dead, it just cr- it it crumbles. It doesn't it doesn't snap. Splinters and yeah, exactly. It's it's not the same. It's it's not the same behavior pattern. So under close examination of the cuts on these bones, that's how these cuts look. They what? crumbly and crumbly. So, any ideas where they came from? I have a five g- stars, ten bonus points. I have an idea. Tell me. I believe that this guy probably shot himself with a shotgun. No, no, no. I'm asking you where the cuts on the bones came from. Oh. Remember that? Uh, a tractor. You nailed it, baby. Thank you. Our farmer's tractor. And sure enough, the detectives go back and measure the tines on his tractor. And they're 18 inches apart. And they're 18 inches apart. Thank you. Next case. We learn that the wallet and ID belong to a man who was last seen despondent over a failed marriage. Mm -hmm. His wife of many years had filed for divorce and said he was going hunting. When he disappeared, Mm -hmm. he'd not been seen again for four and a half years until we found him and we did our little investigation. He was later identified and confirmed by dental records. The truth is on this one, we can't say with 100% accuracy if he committed suicide or if by some absolutely bizarre and absurd run of unbelievably bad luck and poor understanding of gun safety, <laughs> it was an accident. Maybe he had the safety off and dropped it, and it, with it firing and discharging with a one-in-a-million shot up into his jaw. Or, just as crazy, he tripped, and as he was walking with his finger on the trigger... It fired in an upward trajectory. I'm not buying it. It's, hey, it's bad behavior, but it happens. Dick Cheney shot one of his friends with a shotgun while quail hunting, and he was vice president of the United States of America. So dumb shit. I'm not buying that either. Dumb shit happens (laughs) when poor gun safety is in effect. So, again, we can't say for sure, but sometime after death, we can pretty... safely say years after his death as a matter of fact a hunter came across the skeleton and decided to shoot it full of bird shot that's that was my theory perhaps while shooting at birds or rabbits or maybe just to use it as target practice mm-hmm. but we can hope they assumed it was not human when they did it 
we're giving benefit of the doubt here because we have no evidence to say otherwise, at least at this time. So, cause of death is... Gunshot wound to the head. To the face. Yes. That is correct. Probable suicide, possible accident. Could be misadventure. So, manner of death was ruled... Misadventure. Suicide. Manner of death. Undetermined. Undetermined. <laughs> Cannot say for sure. Probable suicide. Right. But it could possibly be an accident. So all I can say on this case is this poor guy, face blown off, decomposed and bleached by the sun, eaten by animals and blowflies, body blown to bits with birdshot, then run over repeatedly with a tractor. Could his life have really been that bad? Yeah. I, I mean, seriously. <laughs> I get it. Your wife wants a divorce, but really? Blow your face off, decompose, bleach in the sun, eaten by animals and blowflies. I mean, seriously. Blown to bits by birdshot, run over with a tractor. Come on. Come on, man. Yeah, in hindsight. You probably would have had a have second a wife decision. and two kids by now. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <right>. <laughs> really wasn't that bad. Wow. So hopefully you guys learned a little bit about bones and how to distinguish this from that because you're going to probably need it when I when we do our next murder method. Ooh, murder I'm looking mystery. forward to that one. Yeah, it'll be a good time. It's going to be a crazy one. Oh, that would be fun. Well, that was a good one. Isn't that exciting? I did... I, Honestly, I was going to say that he killed himself out in the field and he was laying there for a couple of years. Some hunters stumbled upon him and went, hey, look at this, you know, Rufus or <laughs> look at this. Let him shoot it. Let's let's blow this shit up. And they just oh, started okay. shooting it. It was Ohio, so they probably didn't sound like that. Oh, all right. And then uh, the body just got run over a couple of times by the tractor blades. It took a while for the field to get cut down low enough, I guess, to see the guy. Yeah. Wow. Poor guy. Poor guy. So where did you get all that information well, from? Well, my worm news came from my beloved BBC. Oh, yeah. I love the BBC. Oh, yeah. Um, and then the uh, story came from a brilliant, brilliant Robert Mann in his book, Forensic Detective. And then, of course... A ton of it was my personal commentary that I added and a lot of the education. Your brilliant part. commentary. Oh, well, thank you. But <laughs> I had to add a lot of the uh, educational stuff because I knew that I would be doing a, a mer I, I, I've, I know that I've already got my story picked out not for my next one. It's going to be, it's going to be a while. It's going to be a while because I can't do them all the time, but it, it, you've got a couple months to wait, but it, I definitely wanted to teach you some terms and some prepare you and ha teach you about a skull and all kinds of bone stuff. And well, thanks for that. Yeah, so hopefully you're paying attention. You can always revisit this one. That's right. This episode. Mine, uh, the news uh, audio clip that I played was from ABC News, and the story came from a story from Wired.com. a good one. Yeah, it was a good one. And so, other than rate, review, and subscribe, is there anything else you want to say to our listeners before we sign off, baby? 
Oh, gosh. Make sure you're visiting our social media because we have put some cool stuff on there. And we really appreciate all our new listeners. We've got a lot of, I mean, these new places and that you have no idea how exciting it is. Uh, we're not stalking you, but our the place that ho- we are hosting site will say, oh, look, here's your new top 10 cities. And all of a sudden we, we'll get this city we've that we've never seen before that'll just all of a sudden pop up and it'll be like what we have 54 downloads in the city we've never heard of Woo! so we love you guys thank you so much for listening you just don't know how it warms our hearts that's right and hello uh uh, cambodia (laughs) (laughs) yeah cambodia is still holding strong yeah and and salt lake city utah just jumped all the sudden to the top 10 list yeah yeah the people in provo must have told them about us yeah (laughs) thanks provo (laughs) yeah All right, so until next time, live big. Rest in peace. The worms are waiting. He's naked. He's got a gun. This is serious. serious. (laughs) 